0: Thank you for choosing to listen to the Recruiter's Recruitment Podcast in a really amazing selection of other podcasts indicative of the recruitment market and the business market. For whatever reason, you're listening now. We just want to say thank you for choosing us. We couldn't do this without our sponsor and our partners. We're going to talk about them a little bit later on in the show. But thank you to Pager, our sponsors and our partners, Inclusion Crowd. And needy. And without further ado, let's jump in to get to know this week's guest. We are joined by an award winner on the Recruiters Recruitment podcast in this episode. This is David Green. He's the founder and CEO of Remedium. And I actually had the privilege of getting to know David in my other guise as a judge for the Recruiter Awards. And he actually won the most coveted, if not the most coveted in the whole world, award for Agency Recruitment Leader of the Year in 2023. And I talked to him about that, how he came to achieve it, how his business has evolved, and his amazing advice for recruiters who are thinking about disrupting the market, and for leaders as well. We also have a little aside because his market knowledge around the NHS is phenomenal. So if you live in the UK, it's worth hanging on towards the end of the episode just to hear his view on our NHS and where he thinks it's going. Thank you so much for supporting us. david Binner, and a very active part of our community and a big supporter having listened. And now he turns guest and this is his first podcast uh, episode that he's ever appeared on as a guest. So let's give him loads of support. It'd be great to see your comments. And here we go. Without further ado, let's jump in. We are so proud at the Recruiter's Recruitment Podcast to be sponsored by Pager. Pager helps recruiters to build personal brands, to identify new business opportunities, to attract those hard to find candidates and to basically have better conversations. Now, you will have a large network that you want to build credibility with on LinkedIn and sometimes posting content every day feels impossible. Now that changes once you have Pager. Pager provides you with the ideas, the content, and the scheduling capability to produce daily content to build out your own personal brand in minutes. And for business development too. Pager identifies companies that are advertising jobs, have key hiring indicators such as funding rounds, mergers, acquisitions, or senior appointments, and then alerts you to this daily. Pager also enables you to write candidate-centric job adverts without bias in seconds. So once you advertise your job, Pager will then automatically create a branded post and publish it to LinkedIn without you even having to lift a finger. So when you want to actively source candidates, you can create complex boolean strings in seconds. All you need to do is to provide the job title and location. Now, Pager is making thousands and thousands of recruiters smarter and faster. For more information, click on the link pager.co to book your demo. And remember to mention the Recruiter's Recruitment Podcast, when inquiring. Now, back to the episode. This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiter's Recruitment Podcast. And I am so excited to welcome to our community today, they're the first ever time they've actually appeared on a podcast but i think i'm hoping if you're an average follower on linkedin and you've got your finger on the recruitment pulse you might be know you might be aware of who this person actually is now i came across this individual in my other capacity as a judge for the recruiter awards where he was one of the nominations for the agency leader of the year and i got to know him both on and off that job i suppose as a judge and i can't wait for you all to get to know him because you're he's a really inspiring leader and whether you're listening to this as a newbie recruiter or as a fellow leader, hoping to get some inspiration, I think you're going to learn a lot. So, without further ado, I'd like to welcome today David Green, who is the CEO of Remedium. Welcome to you today, David.
1: Thank you very much, Alicia. Hi, everyone. I'm David Green, uh, CEO of Remedium. Um, so, we, you know, in, in the healthcare recruitment space started back in uh, the end of 2013 um, at a time when the market was dominated by uh, locum doctors. So for those who don't know locums, that's temporary staffing. Um, at the time, the NHS had a, a real need to replace all of those locums with, with permanent doctors. And there was a, a piece around the international uh, recruitment and transit of those clinicians. So we started Remedium. Nothing sexy, back of a garden shed. You've got to start somewhere. And we were lucky. It was okay. in a, very nice back garden, um, but it was it was a shed. Um, we had a tennis court, so again it could have been a lot worse. Um, <laughs> but we we very much bootstrapped at the beginning. It ran a very lean business and grew it uh, sort of 120 percent growth year on year for the first three to four years. Moved into central London, um, started to bring on staff and and grew it to certainly at its at its. Uh, real peak at the end of 22, we were um, sort of uh, turning over very decent numbers and, and uh, significant bottom line, uh, and have built a, a, a staffing base of 35 in London and a further 20 in, in a wholly owned office in India. Um, so I used to find myself very regularly out in Mumbai, still do actually just
0: wow.
1: yeah, so um, love it. yeah, yeah, I love it. So I think I think my recent trip was my my 38th and seven years. Um, <laughs> yeah getting some getting some serious air miles there um but no it's it's as a business goes we we found you know the key word that a lot of people often say is disruption um we were mm. disrupted at the time it wasn't permanent recruitment wasn't a, a thing for doctors um mm. if there was any form of permanent recruitment it was the big locum agencies uh in our space you had the likes of medax id medical hcl at the time who had a uh permanent desk at one end of the office and their role was to um try and facilitate as as, as many dots as they could however every time the permanent recruitment consultant would uh place a permanent doctor the local recruitment consultant at the other end of the office would would lose a couple hundred shifts a year conflict of interest bit of friction didn't work out hence the idea remedium was born from there so yeah oh. uh, yeah grew massively over a period of time um been a phenomenally enjoyable ride i'd always give advice to everyone which is uh, if you've got an idea take the risk doesn't matter what age you are where you are in your career take the risk also build a good team around you okay yes definitely it's High to weakness um and yeah we we were very lucky and you know luck hard work and timing paid off and we got to the end of 22 sold to one of the largest healthcare providers in japan that's now given wow. us incredible opportunity to to scale again um don't get me wrong i think a lot of people found 23 a very challenging year for lots hope, of
0: reasons yeah exactly <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. let's just hope 24 is, is is a lot better
0: oh that's wonderful and I love the potted history there's loads of things there that I'm, my brain's going right like, we'll definitely come back and talk about that because I like the fact that you've given some advice there already because that's one of the main reasons why people listen to podcasts of course because they want to try and elevate their learning and develop their career so just can we just go back a little step so you saw you launched business in 2013 what was your background what did you do before
1: so, firstly, I didn't even say thank you very much for having me on the podcast, you know. It's, oh no, uh, that's it's fine.
0: Good. It's a pleasure. Know, it's, <laughs> it's, it been to, a, it's been a long time coming.
1: No, I know, but look, I've listened to it for a long time, so it's nice to be on, you know, the other side of the screen. Um, so, my background before, I actually, I'm one of these who, you know, I went to a very nice school in London, um, but didn't make the most of it, was, was very good non-academically, um, enjoyed sport, enjoyed everything that wasn't involved in in actually sitting behind the books and was a school that, that if you weren't someone who was typically good at books, they didn't necessarily invest in you. So I I ended up, um, I would look at it and i say, for me, university was a bit of a waste of time. I went to what was Leeds Met at the time. I had a phenomenal experience. Lots of great nights out drinking. Um, I think spending 24 hours in the library on the day before dissertation was due in because I'd literally spent part of my <laughs> um,
0: Someone who realised yeah.
1: that actually I could have been a hundred grand richer by not going to university, um, by spending three hours. By spending three in the workplace. But what I decided was if I'm if I'm gonna kind of bum around at uni, I'm gonna make something of myself at 21. So I went with it's not a sub story, but nothing but a bag on my back to Hong Kong. Um, I had some family connections out there, so I wanted to go and get myself an internship, which I did. And after six weeks of that, they offered me a job permanently. Said so go and wow. I was I was off traveling anyway, so go enjoy yourself for six months. when you come back, got your first real job. So I had spent the next three years there in, in financial services. Um, found a way of being sent back to the UK to, to open their London office. Met my now wife, and I guess wow. for me was looking for a way back, and and that's where kind of Remedium was born from. So financial so, services. So did
0: did you, did you have it? You didn't have any link with the with the healthcare sector then?
1: None with healthcare. None with recruitment. I mean, they always say, right, you growing up, you want to be a footballer, a fireman, whatever. No one ever says they want to be a recruiter. You know, you fall into it.
0: No. So, <laughs> yeah, I
1: I had a very good partner who who I set up with. Um, he was in this space, so he he learned his trade. Um, okay. and, you know, with my operational background, being in finance, et cetera, Remedian was born and and a lot of it's self-taught, um, purely hard yeah. work and dedication. And you know, the the gone are the days, in my opinion, the old school days of of being in the office at sort of six AM and stay until eight, nine o'clock at night. You know, that's a want, it's a passion. Now it's more about in at 829 out at 601. I get it. But for us to get to where we were to really graft at 23 when we started, um, yeah, we we were doing the hard yards.
0: Yeah. Well you have to. That there's no question about it, which leads very nicely to this amazing accolade. And I just want to have a little aside on this because um there are a lot of cynical people out there who believe that people buy awards and buy their their place on the on the panel, et cetera, et cetera. What would you say to those people who are cynical about the awards before we even go on to your nomination?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, couldn't be further than the truth. Um, firstly, you you, you get nominated, you put an application in um, and I think there were quite a lot of applications. The only, the only form of, of putting any money down is when you buy a table once you've been nominated so until that Correct. point, you're not, you're not buying anything and even then buying a table so is everyone else who's been nominated so um it, it was by far and away uh, in my working career the greatest uh i think achievement i've had far, meant far more to me than than even selling the business um based on the fact that you know it's it's voted for by people in your industry who, who can acknowledge and recognize your passion as you can see it's behind mm-hmm that wasn't on purpose it just sits on this mantelpiece just um, so
0: happens to be in his eye my, shot
1: no literally it actually <laughs> is just by <my> chance <laughs> that's um, I, great. Didn't even, I didn't even think what I was going to do today usually I do it in my office upstairs but I, I did it down here and it just I love happened. that
0: I'll have I'll have to send us we'll have to do a photo after and I'll send it to Dee. she'll be really happy yeah No, it's, really, it's really good you said that because that I think that's what people think that you because you pay to go obviously you you're in a very nice hotel in London at Grosvenor Hotel and of course the amount of Awards, you know, the amount of people that are going there, it is not about getting yourself elevated by paying anybody off. Um, And I just want to say as a judge, the amount of work that goes into each and every application, it must take days, if not weeks, to collate that information because it's really detailed. And generally the people that tend to make the finalists, so, so you get like a long list and a short list as a judge, is those that have gone above and beyond and given case studies and, you know, given real data. It then takes, as judges, we get, I think we get about a month ahead to read through it. and it, and I'm not joking, it must take me, if I sat down and did it in one go, it'd probably be two days work just to read through the nominations. So it's, right. a, and then we spend a day judging and obviously interviewing the finalists. So it, it I'm, I really wanted to talk to you about that as somebody that's gone through the journey and, and the fact that you've said that, I mean, I just have a shiver down my spine. The fact that I was there when you got it, we had a really nice hug, I don't know if you remember afterwards Dude, I, I, came, I came, and, came and found you and I was
1: like oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. honestly yes. no, I, I'm not I'm not joking and, and sort of being cringe when I say it, it is it is probably the greatest achievement I've had in this yeah. business far more than um the money side yeah. of things because the acknowledgement not only from you guys as judges who I'm very grateful for but other peers in your industry and mm. you know that along with I think it was Jamie Fraser from um Interactual yeah. One the entrepreneur the, you know those are probably the two most prestigious awards and they're the ones where individuals and that's, vote. you know, A, it's votable by your peers or your peers are judging you, but also it's testament to the team and the sense mm. of... Absolutely. You know, the teamwork does make the dream work. Without the people around me, not only could mm. we not achieve what we achieved, but, you know, these are the guys who are helping put an application together. These are the guys who who mm. turn up every day for, with their passion for the cause. And it just mm. epitomises... I don't look at it as my award. I look at it as the team's award because it epitomises everything that we mm. did for, 10 years trying to change for us it, it, it we call it recruitment with morals because you're bringing doctors from all around the world to the nhs to change their lives and um, because you mm-hmm. know india and other places it, it's not nice where they work right and where they live right and whilst it's what they used to we know that we're changing theirs and their families' lives so for people to acknowledge that what we've done our journey and our ultimate goal is something that is worth worth an award yeah it, it means far more than any money i mean that
0: yeah and and I know you do. And that's and that's absolutely wonderful. So there will be so many people listening as I know you've listened as a, as part of our community for a long time that will be thinking, right, what did he do? What did his team do to win that accolade? So, I mean, I guess our finishing point is you did win. And I, I just want to comment as a judge that it is always a culmination of teamwork. It's never down to one person, but it is down to your vision. It's down to the values that you create as your culture. But if we have that as the sort of end goal if that's what somebody really wants to aspire to be like and even if it's not through an award system or a public acknowledgement it's saying we know we're the best at what we do what would you say the, the main foundations should be of if it's the leaders listening what should they have in their business to ensure that they are creating the best Basically. experience for their internal and, and external customers it's Both, it's, isn't a it?
1: great, it's a great um question and i think So I was always taught growing up by by my late grandma who passed away up in Scotland many, many years ago, actually. She always said, it's nice to be important, it's more important to be nice, right? And taking that mantra about humility into the workplace, you know, often recruitment has a stigma that it's full of, you know, arrogant people and and they drive around in you know, flashy cars and fancy watches and and all that sort of stuff. And yes, there are elements of that, I completely understand that. But if you are a a nice person, good things will come your way. Um, Empowerment, right? The people around you at the top who have been with you on the journey or come into the journey, some way down the line, you've got to make them feel that they have the authority to make decisions and not be questioned. Do not micromanage. Yeah. Um, and you know, trust, right? It's so important mm. to trust in, in your team, right? They are doing, you know, if your values are right and they're aligned to your values, they are going to fight for the same cause. And if you're all kind of in unison, you will get the right outcomes and when you have a product like in our situation which is you know it's not easy to sell a person as we all know which is why recruitment can be very difficult um if you have the best talent in the room like right, you won't get the right outcome sorry if you have the best talent you will get the right outcome if you hire mm. fast you hire wrong. okay yeah when it mm. comes to hiring your team picking the people that you need who are going to take your business to the next level you're better off to wait three months for the right person than rate than take three weeks just to get a bum on seat we we never grew past as much as we were going for for 10 years we we never grew past I think 32 33 in London right and we mm. were a bit uh, at, you know at its peak was doing a bottom line of two and a half million right so for for a for a business of that size to, to do those mm. sorts of especially in recruitment of which Sort of 20 revenue generated, which means the average, you know, our turnover was, I think about six mil. So average per, per recruiter, you're looking at, you know, significant numbers here, right? So-
0: Yeah, absolutely. You
1: know, from, from that point of view, don't, hire fast, hire wrong, okay? And empower the people around you, employ to your weakness and empower the people around you and they will get the results you're looking for. And it's not, mm. I mean, their success is your success, your success is their success. Okay, it, it's, about mm. if you have an ego, you will not succeed. You 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 become you you're an inhibitor to growth. There is a ceiling yeah. to some of ego, and I know we all have an ego to a degree. But if you don't leave <laughs> your ego at the door, right? You you will never be more than just a you know you might be a half million pound biller and that's fantastic, but you'll never be able to make the big big money because people will see through that. So and, guess- and you'll
0: never be you'll never be able to scale if you're an asshole. No. I think your bubba was very wise. I think there's nothing wrong with being nice in business. I think actually that's where you get endurance and that's where you get a sense of you know doing something different and it i mean i don't want anyone to roll their eyes at that because i've always been on the side of the coin in recruitment and maybe that's why i've got such a long track record in rec which is notoriously one of the most difficult sectors because you know do the right thing by people because this is a life-changing decision it's not you know we're not saving people's lives which obviously you are doing both you're placing people that will be saving lives but what we do is life-changing and i think uh, i'm so pleased that i focused on this element of your success as a leader and as a business, of course, because you're not talking about investing in all the best tech because we're going to make assumptions that there are parameters within your business that you need and you know that you have to have. We can talk about HR, we can talk about training, but you're talking about the more important things that actually anyone listening has the power to change, which is within us, it's within our own mindsets. And I think so often, you know, I wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for these sorts of companies, of course, and have nobody coming to me for a new job. They are not leaving because the company hasn't invested in tech. They are not leaving because the market's rubbish. They are leaving because their leader is micromanaging them. That is usually why somebody leaves. It's leadership, lack of leadership. So how, how do you then, how do you scale up that mindset, David? Because there, were, there are so many people that there's a there's like a magic number in recruitment you get you've got your startup businesses you get the magic number of 10 10 heads then people say you get to 20 and then 30 and a lot of people do not struggle to go grow beyond that you don't necessarily need to give them your numbers based on your nfi but how do you ensure that you're hiring in people with the same mindset what's the trick
1: a very 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 solid business plan right and be very very foolproof in your planning data Mm. I'm a a firm believer and it's maybe somewhere we didn't get things right for a long time. Uh, and then we we brought in things like power BI. (laughs) Suddenly when you start to understand trends over a period of time, you start to to see where people get to their peak, um, you know, over their longevity with the business and what they're able to build in our space Mm. people peak at sort of three, four years. And then, you know, it's very hard to maintain that for much longer. So you understand at that point where you need to, to bolster a team. Um, and I think, you know, look where, where it's, where it's difficult to scale is controlling the controllable. So where you have an idea in your mind, that you're going to scale at that point, something like the pandemic can come along and blow everything out of the water. Always have what I was taught was called the three R's. So okay. rescue, right. So a rescue plan in place always, if, if things do go downhill, then you, you, you can enact that pretty quickly. A re-engineer plan. Okay. So if you need to tinker with things at any time, and then a reinvention. What okay. a lot of people often don't do, right, is that whole thing around do the same thing over and over again to get the same result. And if you continue year on year to do what you're continuously doing, you will just, you know, other people will catch up and you won't grow. So if you want to scale, you must have a reinvention plan every single year. How are mm, you? Because yeah. so if you're different, the, com- the your clients will always keep coming to you. And then you're in a position where you know you've reached certain data points, certain number that you can hire in. And hiring isn't easy. Okay, and, and being able to predict hiring is not easy. But if you have if you use the data to your advantage, it usually does work, work with us.
0: You know, that, those are really, really useful. I don't know why, but in my head pop blockbusters. And, you know, they didn't adapt. They didn't reinvent themselves. They didn't have a rescue plan. You know, think about all of those retail brands. I just think it, it's quite, I'm quite a visual person. Woolworths, although apparently they're coming back. And, yeah. um, you know, I think there are a lot of recruiters that do listen to podcasts like me, who've been doing it a very long time. Um, But know that we're still learning and we're still adapting and we're still evolving because all the time our world around us is changing. And I think it's really refreshing to hear a leader that your hidden source is accessible for anyone listening, whether you're running a three-person business or a 300-person business, actually. Um, I think it's really sensible. I think, do do you think that sometimes, and I'm going to sort of unpick a little bit of what you said there about ego, very often leaders don't like to admit when things maybe aren't in their control, because you can only control your controllables. So, you know, we're having a rescue plan because this has happened or COVID happened, or, you know, IL-35 came in for contract recruitment. You know, what are we gonna do about it and not bury the head? There's like an ego problem there. Yeah, because Maybe.
1: a lot of people with egos see it as failure. Okay, they see mm. going as failure, but actually going one step back can take you 10 steps forward. And Absolutely. I think you're willing to to see past that and mm. you you put pride to one side, Uh, you will actually grow your business back tenfold i mean you know our business an example right now is going through a bit of a transitional period we've hit the top of everest and you know 23 was a very tough year where we had 41 Mm -hmm. days of industrial action and that has a massive impact on what we do with doctors and nurses and then then you throw in the fact there have been budgetary cuts in the nhs or you know additional funds have been used to to you know um, make sure the service runs during those strikes it's been challenging so rather than sit there and worry about the fact that we're, you know, going backwards. We're not going backwards, but it's how do you transition? You can have a good year, you can have a bad year. As long as you've got cash in the bank, the rest is irrelevant. And sometimes you, you've you got to accept that it won't always be in your favour. But if you then put mm-hmm. your plan in place, you mm. can ensure that you, you, you know, going to 24 and 25 and beyond, we'll go way past the numbers we did in 22. Also, another thing I forgot to say that I think is really important to any kind of business looking to scale is if you've got the funds try and bring in either a non-exec or an advisor who has grown a scaled business okay yeah we're always learning knowledge is power we're never too proud to ask for help and if you are too proud to ask for help you'll never grow but take people who have been there done that got the t-shirt no because their their knowledge is invaluable and you can't live without it because they will just be able to help support you
0: I know, I totally agree. And you're saying that as someone that has been mentored and mentors now as well. I think it's a really important component and I cannot agree with that more, That I think you only know what you know. It's, it's totally true. So as an aside, because, the, you know, we're all, I'd say, I think it's about 60% of our listeners in 2023 were in the UK. The rest were scattered around the globe, which is always very exciting to us. Um, our National Health Service has been our pride and joy since 1948. Where are we out in 2024? What do we need to know about as, as actual inhabitants of this amazing country? Do we need that to is, get private healthcare, David?
1: I mean, that's probably one of the most loaded questions I've ever heard I in know. my life.
0: Sorry. From no, America, no, 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 not at all. I mean, the,
1: <laughs> pod, the podcast, I don't know how long it runs for, but we might need that 10 years to go through this one. No, I can't, <laughs> pick it. Um, the NHS is in a state right now where finance has never been so tight Okay. The, the the mindset is do everything you can to cut costs between now and end of march so for the new financial year and that sometimes means that departments are going without in the sense of not necessarily unsafe staffing levels but they will focus on filling staff right at the top where um, they they you know they have to but at the lower levels where they don't have to they will get by until the end of march um and then worry about it then right so what can be a bit frustrating is I, I think that times we take for granted what we have here. Okay, regardless of whether you wait five, six hours in AE or longer. I was actually in a hospital recently and being treated by a nurse who told me she was from Sweden uh, originally. And she'd come over here and she couldn't understand why people were complaining about waiting five, six, seven hours when in Sweden, because everyone pays such heavy tax. The, uh, all the hospitals there are pretty much are, are government funded. There are some that are private, but on the whole, they're predominantly government funded. People wait nine hours as, as a normal situation for any, and we think, of, we think of the Scandinavian countries as being, yeah. U- but yeah it's, wow. it's regular common, yeah, it's a
0: regular common problem.
1: Yeah, it's a regular common problem. I don't think we appreciate the NHS enough, okay? I, I think we, whilst it's great that we stand outside and clap and all these sorts of things, my issue with the NHS has always been wastage. Uh, there's always been a funny example that was done. I can't remember the name of the Lord who did the report a few years ago, but Sherwood Forest in uh, Mansfield paid two pound forty-four for a medium box of latex gloves. Nottingham down the road pay £1.93. and you're like, actually, what? What you know? Where? Where's the joint up thinking? Where's the central?
0: Absolutely, <laughs> yeah.
1: But there are there are fundamental issues with the NHS. And I'm obviously careful what I say because I don't want to you know throw right. anyone under the bus. But I think it's been really mismanaged poorly for many years. Um, there are way too many managers in the service way too many okay the focus should be far more on clinicians the politicians are trying to run the service and they don't have a clinical background themselves we have people who have their own again it comes down to ego but their own reputation to protect what you get with a lot of nhs execs in particular these are the real decision makers but they're the ones who move around constantly and feel that in the short term they are somewhere they want to make an impact so it looks good against their name so they get their next But like for, for a publicly funded healthcare system that's the largest in the world, you want people running it who are selfless. And sadly, that that's not the case. That's so not the case. Things will get better, but I think they're probably gonna get worse for the next one to two years, even with what is it's mm. like to be a Labour government, because there isn't a huge amount of money left. Mm. In it. I think it will be a challenging couple of years, but I think off the back of it, with the investment that's being made now in training, uh, in retention and obviously recruiting, we will start to see benefits but it will take some time stick with
0: it i'm really glad that i asked that question because I'm, i'm actually turning 50 this year so i've been getting all my automated health checks and it's been phenomenal and you know that's without me prompting anything that's you know boxing for mammograms and cholesterol and blood pressure and everything and i just think where else on earth would proactively for free Give me a full MOT to make sure yeah. that I'm preventing any like diabetes, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. It's phenomenal. And I just think we need to applaud it. We need to not take it for granted. Obviously, it's out of our control. I guess what's in our control is, is a, national, a general election. But that's a long way off. Yeah, back end of the year. I'm really glad I asked you that question. And you're obviously very knowledgeable. And um, so before we finish, how has your first podcast been?
1: Oh, it's been great fun. I love, I, I love you know, I always say if you do what you love you love what you do and you know for the last 10 and a half years i've been doing what i love and extremely passionate about so being able to talk about it on a, on a podcast is great fun and Good. yeah it's to any recruiter out there and, and i'm sure quite a lot listen to this if you have an idea or you know you think of something that will disrupt the market and you're umming and ahhing whether you should go for it and start on your own. And, and I'll probably get slated by a lot of CEOs out there who might lose some big billers, whatever, that's life. I've learned over the years, people come and go. I've lost plenty of half million pound billers to set up on their own, but go for it, right? Because you, you don't want regrets. And if you, you know, have something that is different, take what you learn. And another piece of advice is when you, when you first go in somewhere, especially junior recruiters, watch who the big wigs are in the office, okay? Watch who the ones who are known to be high achievers. Spend lots of time with them. Don't go for your hour lunch breaks, okay? Go and get your sandwich, eat at your desk and watch them. I learned, there's my name on here, but there was, I, I didn't work for him, but I, I'd heard a lot about him, Um, a, a recruiter in the medical space for many years, who was the first million pound biller I'd ever heard of in this space. Wow. He was a machine. He would get in at 6am, stay till nine o'clock at night. If you went and worked under him at lunchtime, you were in, go and get your sandwich, come to the desk, you watch, right? Observe what they do. Take some of, take, take most of it with you. And then look, if there are one or two other bits that you think you can do better, fine. But that is my advice. If you've got an idea, if you can disrupt the market, go for it. Do not have regrets. Love it.
0: I love it. What an amazing way to finish the podcast. Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. Thank you very much. The Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is thrilled to be partnering with Inclusion Crowd. Inclusion Crowd put the D into diversity, but do it disruptively. We love that. Really reflecting what we're about. I was introduced to Inclusion Crowd back in 2020, and I've been absolutely blown away with what they're doing to totally transform the recruitment and hiring sector. They believe at Inclusion Crowd that companies should be reflective of society. And that no matter who you are listening now, You have a story to tell. You have a contribution to make. An inclusion crowd educates you in allowing your voice to come out and share that story, but doing it in a way that educates your colleagues and your customers equally. Inclusion crowd, like the Recruiters Recruitment podcast, has clients all over the world and they specialise in our industry. What we all want to do together is to maintain best practice and to raise industry standards to enable us to attract and retain the best talent, but doing so inclusively and with true diversity. By doing this, by accomplishing a true EDI policy within your business, you will also retain the top talent as well as attract new talent, which is a win-win for everybody listening, making more profitable business and a much better industry, higher regard, highly regarded inclusion crowd are also the official awarding body for the inclusion and diversity certification mark within recruitment. We are so proud to be assisting and partnering inclusion crowd. If you want to know more information, please click on the link in this episode. And remember to mention the recruiters recruitment podcast when you do so. Now, back to the episode. We are so proud to be partners of Needy, the gifting revolution. Here at Key Recruitment, we absolutely love to send out bespoke gifts to our new place candidates to welcome them in their new jobs. But also as an extra special thank you to clients or when a team is celebrating something really special. But to be honest, we were really fed up with dull or mediocre gifts that you could just buy on the high street that didn't really reflect who we are at Key Recruitment as a business. This is why we chose Needy. Needy sourced sustainably from the UK's best independent businesses, offering the most perfect array of bespoke gifts and experiences too. So no more boring bottles of plonk or rubbish boxes of chocolates. This is how you make your customers day with a gift that really matters and shows that you really want to do something special for them. For more information on how psychology and AI forming to make the best gift experience for you, click on the link and remember... To mention the Recruiters Recruitment podcast when ordering. Now, back to the episode.